Welcome to the Chuan Chuan Podcast, a bilingual podcast where every episode we use English and Chinese to explore various social, cultural, and contemporary issues in the aim of giving our listeners a useful tool to improve either or both their English or Chinese language ability. This is part three of our commentary on society. But it might. But now might you sound like the problems. far left people. You sound like the far left people. Like you have a, you have this other thing that's going to lead us to this promised land, right? Like I always think that we need to make incremental steps. So I guess that makes me concerned. Well, but it's just because people need to remain humble, right? People need to understand understand that they don't really know much about anything. Not because they're stupid. It's just there's too much to know. Okay. But I, I don't think that it's. It depends on the. I, I would disagree though because I think it, it depends on the context as well. Like I, I use Canada as an example. They have a pretty decentralized government, um, and then you look at Singapore, where like sorry to keep bringing it back because I think it's probably one of the ones that I'm familiar with. Um, it's majorly a dictatorship. Like in the last what fifty years. Um, and that's run really well. Canada runs pretty well. Um, China pretty much runs like on a dictatorship. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say this on the podcast, so you can, you know, censor it out. But um, I'll use Canada and Singapore as an example. Like Canada is massive and very sparsely populated, and Singapore is very small and very densely populated. So. Uh, it to to say that blockchain would work in both circumstances and a, a decentralized government would work in both circumstances would be um wrong and it would be unfair and it I feel like if we had a decentralized government everywhere in the world like we would still have problems but the problems would yeah. be reversed if that yeah you always have problems problems but I think um, yeah you always dictatorship yeah. will always so, work yeah if. You have yes. a good dictator, and obviously it will work better than democracy because they'll be making all the right yes. decisions. Yeah, but that's impossible. But that's impossible, just, man. No, no, it's definitely not impossible. I think the Singapore example is the perfect example, right? That Singapore is a very successful nation. Uh, but Lee, you, you like because yeah. their what's the difference between really a dictator? No, but wait, wait let okay. me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish though. But over time, like that's not going to work because you're basically relying on like some genius. Yeah, and you're not he. One I can't remember his name, but you. he, you're not likely to replicate him. Like maybe, maybe you get one person like him every like two or three generations, and then the chances that they but make you, their you way to that position of power his, is unlikely. It's it's pretty much an imperialistic society now because his son is now the prime minister, and yeah. it's likely going to be his son as well, or like. An associate of his son, so they're basically using the same imprint for the next God knows how many years. Yeah, that's so bad. Um, so it is possible <laughs> if you have the the very basic template. I mean, I'm not saying it's all like roses and happiness in Singapore. Everyone's dancing on rainbows. Um, they're definitely pockets of society that are very some poor, people are dancing on rainbows people... <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that gave me a really vivid image of people dancing on rainbows <laughs> oh that, that film what's that film called with Will Ferrell Anchorman that's it um you know that scene but um 
No, but they're, they're definitely unhappy people in Singapore. But if you use that nation as an example against, um, say, its counterparts like Hong Kong, um, I would say that. Um, and yeah, I mean, what what is a good dictatorship? You know, like yeah. someone like Lee Kuan Yew going over to Canada wouldn't work. They would like call him, you know, a horrible man and like a horrible dictator. Everyone like exile him. So it, it really depends on the ebbs and flows on and, and the actual context of the country itself and, and the aims of what it's trying to achieve. Um, but I yeah. think all of that... Yeah. Do you guys know about Mao's child? Let's not talk about this. No. <laughs> let's not talk about <laughs> this. Okay. No, no, yeah, let's just, not talk about it. But just, just, on, it just on the topic of dictatorship, though, like we always think dictatorship is wrong, right? It's like imprinted in us. Like it's always wrong. Uh, or because at least Hollywood like it's... it's wrong and who, who creates yeah. Hollywood America no, no, hold up hold exactly. up <laughs> so well but let me let me just finish right so um the way I think about dictatorship is again and like democracy is that it ties to education like if you had if you went to like a tribe in the middle of Africa right and they barely like spoke languages and stuff and you gave them a way to vote for them to like everyone had the right vote for them to make decisions on how to survive in that rainforest they're mostly going to die out very quickly but if they had a strong leader uh who would tell them what to do who was a bit more clued up a bit more charismatic that is more like there's more likeliness of them surviving okay i want to just so in that particular example i want yeah. to just interject here why is it that a strong leader cannot be voted in by democracy We've seen it time and time again that it is possible. Because, like, because what about giving, Margaret Thatcher? It's like what you said before. James, what about Margaret Thatcher? She was yeah, voted. But the, everyone, in... yeah, but everyone, everyone was um, educated. Like you're in a educated like society where most people are relatively smart. So therefore, they can you can bank on them to make a safe and decent choice. But if you had everyone that wasn't educated at all. It's much better for someone to just take the baton and just like go with it. Yeah, and that's what happened with Brexit and um, I suppose UK politics for the last 10 to 15 years. You have pockets of the UK that, um, you know, barely have any adult literacy. And then you have pockets like London where everyone has a very liberal mindset. And then you have this massive division of people that... Um, either think that immigration is the best thing in the world or people that think that immigration and race is the worst thing in the world. So it's I definitely agree with that education, but then also more so education, good education that's available to everyone, regardless of like what your parents think. And yeah, it's... But it's Sue, good. I don't know if you're aware of this, but you've just made an argument that an education makes you stupid because... Like London is where all the far lefty people are, right? And it's the yeah. rest of the country that is immune to to that stuff. So I think like we're basically going around in circles and we're deciding that there's just no safe haven everywhere because education at the moment is why we have like gender studies and why we have people that no longer believe in biological sex. But this this and is political like, education. What I'm talking about is good quality, um, unbiased science. education. Yes, science, scientific education, not what the government wants to teach you about, like, oh, you know, let's teach eight-year-olds about gay people and stuff like that. Like, no, they're too young to understand these things. Yeah. Yeah. But that is science, right? I mean, it's, yeah. Okay. 
No. Yeah, but I, I guess I'm just saying like education can be corrupted as well, and it can be just another like form of propaganda potentially. Yeah, I think yes. education is corrupted in every country, right? Like everyone teaches history differently. Yeah. The most progressive country is Germany in that aspect. Like they, they actually did it right. They're like what, one they of the only countries ever in Nazis history to to condemn themselves. Yeah, to condemn themselves. Like one of the only like. You, you never hear about this, right? Where they have like memorials of uh, victims, but also just condemning that what they were doing was wrong. And they teach their kids. kids and to be honest, the, the Americans are also quite good because if you look through US history, they always talk about how badly they treated Native Americans. And it's actually way more... No, not really. I, I would disagree because Americans, um, from what I've uh, sort of, American people I've spoken to in the past, like have widely condemned things like Columbus Day, where there's this made up story of how Christopher Columbus arrived and had a feast with all the Native Americans. Yeah, that's what I mean. They're, they, they're very, they their land. they're very progressive. In, Americans are also very progressive in the way they teach their history as well. I was a gr- no, it's it's actually the opposite. No, because they're because condemning no one... they're condemning Columbus Day because they've learned that it's not true. Yes, but true these activism, are the people though. that but the, these are the people that actually like realize that this was wrong later on in life. They they tell me that there are a lot of people in their like southern home state that still believe that Columbus was the best thing to walk on this. But I don't think that I don't know true. if that's taught by schools because I'm looking at an AP history course, which is like a history course that kids can take to get into universities. And they, it all states this. It's like, it's not, it's very unbiased analysis on the history of America. And if they're, if this is being taught on a course to get into university, I can't see how it is, you know, I mean, this is a good source for history being taught well. Wait, what is... But celebrating him finding America might be a bit odd, though, because that's not unbiased. Yeah, but I don't think that I don't think they're taught like, that in school. Celebrate. I don't think they're taught that in school. At least not in the AP history stuff, from what I can gather. But they uh, do have, have a national. They have a national holiday. Uh, sixteen, yeah. seventeen. Mm-hmm. And would you say that these sixteen to seventeen-year-olds? proactively decided to take this course because their parents thought it was best for them. No, I think they take it to get into Harvard or or Princeton yeah, so, or whatever. Yeah, so it's, it's this group of people that are actively encouraged by their parents to have an open mind and things like that. It's not... It's not widely available to, you know, to, to put it crudely, I don't know... Um, uh, the, the rednecks, for example. Or, I, I'm sure it's a, you know, I'm sure it's people a, of lower income. I'm sure it's available to them to start. To be honest, I think it's quite dangerous to make generalizations since none of us have a, actually lived in the States and gone through the education system. And I also think it's a little bit complicated because each state might have their own education syllabus. So it's, it's hard for us to know. But just from what I've seen on the AP history stuff, it seems quite unbiased. Like they talk about how, um, like I've been reading about how the colonies started and how the English colonists were split into three camps. One camp was really, really horrible to the Native Americans. Another camp was really, really, was a lot more tolerant. And then they talk about the Dutch 
and the, that's like left and right yeah right? they talk about the dutch and the french who were colonists and they were actually really really good with the native americans like they would trade with them rather than kill them and in fact they also allied with them when the native americans would go to war with each other and then it talks about the spaniards how they were really really bad and they would enslave all of the native americans so it it does sound like um quite unbiased and quite an objective perspective on the history of their nation i don't think americans would say our history is one whereby everything we did was uh, righteous essentially i'm sure they will admit that they had a lot of atrocities done in their history and that's why identity politics are bad because it's always more complicated than just america america is not good or bad yeah but there are definitely issues to be fixed but would you say that in the uk we have a similar privilege where 16 to 17 year olds get an unbiased view of um the education and like the history of the uk I don't think so, personally. But th- did you go to school um, in the UK at all, Sue? Yeah, yeah, I did. So um, I moved here in year eight. So I did year eight to university here. So primary school in Singapore and then secondary school here. Um, so you learn about... Because when people say, like, we're not taught the history, but I remember learning about colonialism and slavery. At yeah. School. Like, I did a rap about did slavery. Did you, Lee? We, we learned... Yeah, and there was always Black History yeah. Month. <laughs> we learn about Native Americans and Romans, but I didn't do history yeah, we, we at GCSEs. About Roman, I I didn't do. Did I do? Yes, I did history GCSE actually um, at Excel. But um, so I we covered um, the Industrial Revolution. Um, we didn't do anything about globalization. Maybe just a very like light touch on it. Um, we did like the Second World War, the First World War. Um, and it was starkly different to what I even learned in primary school in, in Singapore. And, um, like in, in Singapore, for example, um, I was taught about how the British arrived, um, and took over Malaya. Malaya was basically Malaysia and Singapore, but back in the day. Um, and, um, how Singapore gained independence, like the importance of Lee Kuan Yew. Um, like we talked about foreign investment in the U, um, in, in Singapore, but obviously not to the level of like what I know now, but we just talked about how important it is that like different countries would set up like businesses in Singapore and like how they're important to us. Um, so it was a very global view, whereas like in, in the UK, it was all just the, the UK, like um, the workhouses, um, the Industrial Revolution. We didn't even talk about like the Civil War in America and things like that and how America um, had any re- relevance to the UK, um, which was a shame because that was something... Because we're the best country. We don't need to learn <laughs> other people's history. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, like... England first. <laughs> 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 so that that in itself Ripple. is political education it's like the government saying this is what you need to learn and uh this is how you learn it because I- england is the best basically no but there's so um, much to learn in history like i i don't have any things against nations learning about their own history personally yeah i think that's the yeah. right cu- curriculum to teach i think there should be a breadth of it but that like you should also teach focus on your own country right and then because everything else is available yeah and 
But also, so what you... is more important than the Industrial Revolution? I mean, we're, it changed the it world. It might be just a coincidence, right? It was our country that did it. But also, like, that is probably the most important thing to learn about. Exactly. And year seven. But yeah, and also, if you. Yeah. And I was just going to say, in, no, I, personally, yeah. in year seven, eight, and nine, I don't even remember learning anything about English history. Like, I literally learned history about everywhere else but England. What, you mean like Roman? Yeah, Egypt? yeah, yeah. Do you guys remember? Because yeah. I didn't do GCSE history. So I don't know what you guys learned in GCSE history, but from year seven to year nine. We learn about Russians, Bolsheviks and Mensheviks. So like Russian revolution. So I think in, if that's the case, English history is like, the uh, history we learn in England is quite vast and quite expanding relative to other nations. Like we're learning about different nations. You know, yeah. I mean, it, this might sound a bit like patriotic, but I think England's history is really important to the world. So I think like you almost get two for one if you learn English history. But there's there's learning it and then there's learning it a bit too much. Like I know you said you covered Russian, uh, the Russian Revolution, but I never had that kind of privilege. I guess, you know, Croydon, I don't know. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> Never go Black History Month every month. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even have that. Um, but yeah, you know, there's there needs to be a lot more context to it, and that's why you have so many like people coming out of education that are like, oh, you know, these foreigners coming to our country, like, oh, black people, ha ha ha, R and B music, but like, where you don't know where these things come from. Like, all you know is like, oh, uh, like. Oh, these people were poor in East London once upon a time, and then now there's Canary Wharf, and you don't even know why. You know, okay, maybe Margaret Thatcher, but where is she now? I don't know. Uh, what What does this have any relevance to where we are today? Um, there's There's no tying into. But the things you just mentioned are so political that could you really get people to agree on how that should be taught in in schools? Uh, yes, you can. You can only really teach things that people wouldn't argue about too much because then you'll get half the parents like taking their kids out of the schools if you said anything like some people love Margaret Thatcher some people hate her if you try to teach about what she did for the country I'm sure it'd be like pretty difficult yes um yes yeah, and no but but then you would say um you know you, you talk you talk about um teaching things that people can't argue with um that's very easy so you can talk about actual things that are existing right now like how did canary wharf come to be um you know obviously because of margaret thatcher taking down like the conservative party i should say like moving all the resources from the north to the south um things like that they're, they're real things that actually happened you can't argue with that like whether it was right or wrong that's for a different subject but um that in itself wasn't taught so you walk around london today and like for someone that went through the education system the way that I did, like a lot of things don't really make sense. Um, it's like they teach us about the Romans. Yes, the Romans arrived in like 1066, whatever, on the River Thames. And then suddenly it jumps to the Industrial Revolution. And then like, it's like, okay, wait, what, what happened in between? Like, we don't know. Maybe the Agricultural Revolution. Yeah, if you think about it, 
learning about the Romans is not actually that that useful. No. Yeah, it's not us. supposed to be useful though, <laughs> but it's supposed to be like um just like all subjects in school, it's supposed to capture your interest. Like maybe you're not interested in modern day history and politics and therefore you don't really care about that and you care about archaeology. But without learning ancient history, you don't know that you're into archaeology. Yeah, and just true. Romans are really fun. And just yeah, exactly. Like Romans were the first democratic systems in one of the first in the world. Mm. Yes, wow. if you want to put it that way, yes. This is a very what, expansive a podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. But this I is mean, the they, like, it's so easy it. to criticize things. It's so. Yeah, it's so easy to criticise what's there, but it's, it's actually really difficult to know that whatever we, we're talking about here would actually be a better alternative. I think that with education, like the yeah. most important thing is that we teach people to be interested in learning things. I think we mentioned this in a, pro, a prior podcast, but I think that a lot of people associate school with boredom, and that's really, really sad. Like... Do you know, do you guys, have you guys heard of this podcast called the Dan Carlin Horrible History Podcast? It's really, really fascinating. Like he goes through loads. But I did like those books, the Horrible History. Well, he's got nothing to do with those books. (laughs) He's got nothing to do with those books. It's because there's a, there's a bit, it's like anime, there's violence. (laughs) (laughs) He's got nothing to do with those books, but his podcasts are really, really good. They're like three, four, five hours long. And the way he describes what happens during a certain event, like it's really, really fascinating. It's actually got me interested in history. And I think that that's what we're missing. Like teachers who want their kids to be interested in certain subjects for the love of it. So, this, yeah, but it's because teaching is also a skill. So maybe maybe the solution is like the internet like you just get the best teachers to put their lectures on blockchain no, and then everybody gets gets that good education what blockchain <laughs> oh, God. no it's youtube right i mean YouTube. if you want to if you want to host videos on the blockchain like you're gonna be paying billions I reckon I reckon you should have a podcast where he gets like proper experts to come on and he just like questions them. No, but that's what YouTube is for, right? You have different people with different capabilities teaching you or telling you about a topic, whether it's about history, it's about, I don't know, attachment styles, your love life, psychology, anything. Yeah. It's, it's an like, This is actually a legit solution. Like, why do you need an army of teachers? Just get the best ones to put their lessons online. Well, That's it. No, well, teachers are now they for, can go. For yeah, yeah. I think we're moving towards that. Well, there is and, a... No, yeah, you, you can still have teachers in the class, but they can be more like tutors. They can be more like going around and dealing with the individual problems that pop up. But the actual lecturing and uh, presenting the information... We can just find the best people in the world to do that and let them Yeah, I think we're going I think we're gonna be moving towards that. And I also think that's going to be the downfall of universities because I don't think universities are that important in our day and age. Yeah, it's already happening now, I think. Well, it's the democratizing of universities, right? Why are we charging £10,000 for like some old Herbert to stand in front of a stage and read you stuff off a slide? Like um yeah it's yeah those 200 like those lecturers are 200 people like that's not a way to like learn anything no (laughs) like you can't have any interaction or anything you 
can't really ask for. That's the end of part three. Join us next week for part four. That's all we have for this episode. Please follow me on Twitter at Yishontier. That's Y-I-E-S-E-A-N-T-E-O-H. If you would like to support the show in any way, for those outside of China, you can donate money at paypal.me forward slash Y-I-E-S-E-A-N-T-E-O-H or subscribe to me on Patreon. All the details are in the show notes below. For those inside of China, you can donate by scanning my Weixin or Zhifubao QR codes below. Thank you so much for listening and we hope to see you all next episode. And we also have a new Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Chuan Chuan Podcast. So please like and follow me there.